You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello everyone, and welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. This podcast is going to be taking a look at Tim Drake, my favorite Robin. We'll be taking a look at Tim's first appearance in Batman Year 3, that's Batman 436, and working our way through Tim's training all the way to Tim's ongoing Robin series that won 183 issues. So sit back and relax and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of Robin Everyone Loves the Drake podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. Uh, This is going to be a special episode of the podcast. I say special every episode, I think, because I think there's something cool that's going on here. Uh, This one is going to be... I would say doubly special. You'll, you may not think the second part is doubly, but I, I kind of think it's cool. But the first and main reason that this is going to be a special episode, that depending on when you're listening to this, the month of August is Tim Drake's anniversary or his birthday. Uh, Tim Drake turns 25 years old in the month of August. Uh, more importantly, he turns 25 on August 29th. Now, one can make the argument that Tim Drake's actual birthday is June 13th, 1989. That it comes out of Batman 436 when Tim makes his first appearance, but it's technically in a flashback from Dick remembering, so we don't actually see Tim Drake in canon. So I've heard people argue on both sides that in print or in comic book form, if you want the technical first appearance of Tim Drake, it's in Batman Year 3, Batman 436. But to have his first in canon appearance you actually have to go to Batman 440 at the beginning of Lonely Place of Dying to get the first uh, on-screen, if you will, uh, appearance of Tim Drake. So uh, because of that reason, people say that it, you really you can count a flashback because it's, it's in print, but as far as the timeline of Batman goes, uh, the first time that the characters that are interacting with each other in the current timeline, uh, Tim Drake is actually in Batman 440 for his first opinions. That probably made your head hurt. Uh, but just to wrap your mind around how old Tim is, this past June, we celebrated the 25th anniversary of the 1989 Batman film. So the time that that movie came out, Tim was making his first appearance, if you go by the June date. Uh, but that tells you... Uh, maybe date how old some of us are. I remember the 1989 Batman film, and I remember picking up Lonely Place of Dying for the first time and falling in love with that story, and that story right there 
started my journey to becoming a Tim Drake fan. And obviously, if you've made it through 14 episodes of this podcast, you will clearly understand why I'm a Tim Drake fan and a Robin fan at heart. Uh, The second reason that this is going to be special, and it's probably due to the lack of time on my part for this episode, which I think works out really good in my favor, being the 25th anniversary, Tim's 25th birthday, is that uh, I'm getting ready to go on vacation. And uh, this, I was toying with the idea of taking a couple months off uh, to do just some uh, family things and uh, take some trips, but it was real important for me to uh, still keep the podcast going that maybe as you are taking vacations, you're like, hey, I'm going to uh, listen to the podcast, hopefully this podcast that you'll take with you on vacation, but maybe not. Even if you do, uh, you might want to have something to listen to on your car drive. And I know I listen to podcasts when I'm traveling back and forth to work, and sometimes I'll make my wife listen to some of these podcasts uh, from the batmanuniverse.net. Hopefully you're getting your uh, taste, and I believe a, I could think I can say this by the time this episode goes up that there will be a new facelift to the BatmanUniverse.net, which maybe you have already seen. So if I'm letting the cat out of the bag, I'm sorry, Dustin, but I believe if I time this just right that the new uh, website will be up. So I'm eager to see what this podcast will look like on the new website. Getting back to my vacation, uh, trying to prep and do the uh, episodes that you've been listening to. I'll do the you know music score underneath. I'll find uh, a Batman uh, music piece to kind of go underneath. I'll read the comics and then. If I have guests on, we'll do the synopsis, uh, one a piece, or you know myself, we'll do two. In doing a podcast, uh, I thought, oh, they just hit record and they do their conversation, and that's it, and they upload it. Uh, there's a lot of editing that goes into a podcast, so a rough. Uh, average podcast, uh, at least that I've done and been listening to, uh, some people do them in you know, 15, 20 minutes or a half hour. A lot of them on the Batman universe are creeping right around the hour mark or so, uh, some longer, some shorter. But an average hour podcast for me uh, takes about two to three hours to edit, sometimes longer if uh, I've got a guest on and we have a Skype conversation and maybe somebody's microphone isn't up to a snuff or uh, dropped calls or you know there's a little bit of lag time or bleeding over in mic. So trying to spend time to clean up those type of things and just putting everything together and getting all the artwork around and sound clips and all that stuff, it does take some time to do. So while the wife and I are planning our vacation, uh, Terrence and I missed our window as he, he and his family were also going on vacation. So our two schedules, trying to uh, balance the two vacations to kind of get the uh, finish this uh, mini series together, uh, didn't quite work out. So I was trying to figure out, you know, how I was going to do uh, this particular episode, and uh, a kind of a way around that is uh, to be able to play a longer portion of the audio drama. And I thought this was a good way to not only uh, celebrate Tim's 25th uh, anniversary, which is at the end of the month, but uh, it also kind of uh, lets me uh, slide just a little bit out of my responsibilities to the podcast, uh, kind of free up some time as, again, like we're getting ready to go on vacation, but allows the podcast to continue. So what you're going to hear right now is a longer portion of the audio drama that you heard a little snippet of it in episode 13 is kind of the lead in 
to issue one of the Robin miniseries. So this is going to be issue three and issue four segments in the audio drama. And this comes to us by the way of Warner Brothers Records, and this was released on March 15th, 1996. And uh, I think I got it sometime uh, around March or April. So I went into a local bookstore and they had it on the shelves there. Uh, You don't find a lot of uh, audio dramas, at least in comic book form, much anymore in some bookstores. But I remember you would be able to find a lot of those, uh, usually some of the bigger... uh, name books you would get to find, but this was really cool to see Robin in the title. And this is basically an audio drama for uh, Tim Drake's uh, appearance in the uh, Batman universe, as it will. Uh, The title of this is uh, Batman Legends of Robin, and it encompasses the storylines of a death in the family, the only place a dying, a hero reborn, a tragedy and triumph uh, trades. And uh, one of the big stars on this is Mark Hamill. So, of course, you know he's playing the Joker. Now, we don't have uh, that portion here. But uh, this, again, is going to be issues three and issue four of the Robin miniseries. And it's about 16 minutes of the audio drama. I was going to kind of cut and splice, but uh, they do a decent job. This isn't going to win uh, any awards or anything like this. But it does uh, give me a chance to kind of skirt out just a little bit on my responsibility for the podcast and gives you a chance to kind of hear a little bit more. Uh, Again, the acting chops are not stellar, but if you do decide to uh, pick this up, you can find it on Amazon or audible.com or any place where you can get uh, audiobooks. Uh, I think they have like No Man's Land is out there, Final Crisis, uh, The Lazarus Syndrome. There's uh, quite a few out there. So this is a Sometimes with this being an older one and being Robin, sometimes it doesn't get the uh, love and attention that I think it deserves. Again, it's it's kind of cool. And what I like about it, uh, that it's uh, pretty faithful to the book. You can... Uh, follow along uh, like you were as a little kid and you don't have a chime to turn the page Uh, but the dialogue is pretty much uh, straight on so it's pretty much word for word they take some liberties kind of moving some uh, scenes around to kind of make sense for the audio drama but uh, i think they do a decent job with it so at this time i'll turn the show over to warner brothers records and uh, we can uh, celebrate uh, tim drake's 25th anniversary and I can start vacation just a little bit sooner. Uh, thanks for listening, and welcome to the show. Don't grab victim to me.
Robin number three has a cover date of March 1991. The on-sale date is January 15, 1991, and the story was entitled The Destroying Angel. Issue number four has a cover date of April 1991, and the on-street sale date is February 12, 1991, and the story was entitled Strange Company. The credits to the two issues read as follows. Uh, the writer is Chuck Dixon. The penciler is Tom Lyle. Inker is Robert R. Smith. The letter is Timothy Harkins, and the colorist is Adrian Roy. According to the issue, but not on Mike's Amazing World, the co-editors for this were Denny O'Neill and Dan Rapsler. Robin, Tim Drake, was created by Marv Wolfman and Pat Broderick, and Neil Adams and Norm Brayfogle are given credit to creating Tim's Robin costume. Hey, who the hell are you? Call me Shiva. Shiva. I'm here to help you find the man you seek. Sir Edmund Dorrance, the Kingsnake. You're just naturally helpful, Shiva? We all have our reasons, Clyde Rollins. You seek him out of some quaint need for revenge. The boy aids you simply for the adventure of it. Charming. I want the King Snake because he is rumored to be the most dangerous man alive. It is only fitting that he meet the most dangerous woman. For a dangerous woman, you wear some pretty nice perfume. Jasmine, ain't it? I've heard of you, Shiva. And I have met your mentor. You are to be his latest little Robin? I'm working on it. We will need your detective skills. I have information about what Sir Edmund is up to, but the picture is still unclear to me. We must know more about it if we're to deal with him. What's this we stuff? You don't seem like much of a joiner, honey. We all have our talents, although yours are not obvious to me, Clyde Rollins. I have information that Robin can use to uncover King Snake's machinations. Also, call me anything other than my name again, and I'll show you my talents. Now, why don't you put yourself to use and make us all something to eat? No red meat for me, thank you. Shoot. Who let the girls in the clubhouse? Robin. We're looking for anything you can find on something called the Krieger War Labs. Krieger Labs is named after a German chemist, Helmut Krieger. He experimented with poison gases and other nasty toys for the Nazis, and he disappeared in 1944. Uh-huh. After the fall of France in 1940, the Germans moved his laboratory into France. That way, if one of his experiments went wrong, only Frenchmen would die. Nice, huh? Uh-huh. Records of the experiments were never found. Neither was the lab, but Krieger was known to frequent a little village in eastern France called Ozia. That's near the old Maginot Line. Connection, maybe? Secret lab hidden in an abandoned fortress? Hey, if I didn't think there was a connection, would I be driving all night chasing that crazy lady's taillights across France? But you gotta stop and think, kid. This mystery babe might be with Dorrance. No way. Why would she be helping us find him? Besides, if Sir Edmund is close to getting a gas bomb or something... I, I think you're just a sucker for a pretty face. Well, I guess she is kind of beautiful. But she's kind of scary, too. Huh. So this Krieger worked on poison gas, huh? I thought they'd been outlawed by the Geneva Convention. Well, they were. That's why he moved into bioweapons. Plagues. But his lab was never found. But you and the scary babe think you know where it is. Yeah. Here's the map. I think this king snake may have found Krieger's lab right there. The Maginot Line, you idiots. It was supposed to keep the Germans out of France, but it didn't even slow them down. Now it's just an old relic. There's nothing down there that can hurt you, so get into those tunnels. If we don't get these crates to Hong Kong in 24 hours, Sir Edmund will eat us alive. Hey, Robin. There's your maiden in distress. I don't want to talk about it. Happens to the best of us, kid. I don't see Sir Edmund. He wouldn't get his hands dirty. 
The ghost dragons do the grunt work for him, and it looks like they know where they're going. But what would they want with a 50-year-old bioweapon? Why don't you ask your new girlfriend, Shiva? She's got all the... Hey, where is she? I thought she was right behind us. I don't trust that woman. There's no turning back now. Come on. This is getting too freaky. Killer bimbos, Nazi plague bombs, you doing the Zorro thing. I feel like I'm living out a National Enquirer headline. I can see it now. Ex-DEA agent found in Nazi sewers with boy and tights. Not cool. Look at this place. I'll bet it's been ages since anyone's been down here. Good reason, too. Probably still lots of explosives hidden in these tunnels. Shh. They're just up ahead of us. We better not lose them. There's got to be thousands of miles of corridors down here. Robin, get down. Holy! The sucker's got us nailed. Make a break for it. Clyde, this crate we ducked behind, it's... Run. I'll draw his fire. Clyde, get down. It's full of... Oh! Ballistic armor in my cloak took some hits. Kept me alive. But my ears are probably going to be ringing for days. Wish that were the worst of it. Hey, Lynx! It's that punk from Paris! Pick him up. I don't know what you've gotten yourself into, Lynx, but... You should see your face. Priceless. Still surprised? You thought I was a damsel in distress. Foolish bird. I'm going to enjoy cutting out your... I don't think you'll do much with a bullet in the brain. Get to the trucks. Let's get out of here. Clyde's got himself some firepower, but he's being a little more help than we need right now. Ow! Hey, kid, what's the idea? Sorry, Clyde. Guns just aren't my style. Besides, no telling what a few hot slugs through those crates might do. Unless you wanted to play Name That Plague. Yeah, but now we gotta chase them. No problem. According to the map, there's an airport a few miles from here. That's gotta be where they're headed. Oh, man. That's a lot of dead bodies. I'd say your girlfriend Shiva's been here. You would be correct, Mr. Rollins. Shiva, looks like you tried to stop them. I gave it every effort, little Robin. They were carrying this. A glass vial full of nasty bugs, I'll bet. Murder by disease. No art in it. No soul. Such a decadent way to kill. Then you stopped them. Only from taking both containers. They loaded the other before I got here. The plane lifted off. Then we've lost. Damn, we'll never find Dorrance now. On the contrary, Mr. Rollins. One of the ghost dragons was kind enough to tell me where the plane was headed, just before his untimely expiration. Lucky thing. Indeed. Sometimes a great deal of luck can be won by breaking a man's fingers, joint by joint. Um, yeah. Where's the plane headed? Hong Kong. The Moors built this tower to house the device during their rule of Spain. It is close to a thousand years old. The clock within draws water from an artesian well dug by Roman legionnaires during the time of Galba. The earth itself forces the water along 200 feet of ceramic pipe. The water follows a path through copper baffles, taking exactly 3,600 seconds to fill each bucket in sequence. And so, this tower has counted off the seconds and minutes and hours without fail for near ten centuries. A wonder of Arab science. Yes, I believe it's based on the same principles as the great water clock in Morocco. 
It has not lost an hour's time since it was installed before the coming of El Cid. You are a learned man, Sir Edmund. I could use a clock like this in my Hong Kong headquarters, Toppy. You see, time is important to me. I have an appointment, one that I must not miss. I'm afraid the clock is not for sale, Sir Edmund. Bubbo, in this case, Toby, is nearly two million pounds in various European currencies. The case is yours in return for the clock. But I cannot. The care of this clock has been entrusted to my family for generations. Toby, you have six children and seventeen grandchildren. Either the clock is mine, or your family will have seen its last generation. That's the plane. We should take them out the minute they land. No, we follow them. They will lead us to Sir Edmund. That's crazy. No, Sheba's right. Let's tag along and see where this goes. You two just want Dorrance. There's more to this than just him. If I'm right, those cases contain a strain of man-made plague that could kill millions. This way, we can roll up the whole gang. You don't care, do you, Clyde? All this is just payback. As long as you get to Sir Edmund, nothing else counts, does it? The man killed my family. Payback is all I want. You don't understand. Better than you think. We are going to lose them. We're supposed to be the good guys. They're motivated by revenge and hatred. We're supposed to be better than that. Just get in the jeep, kid. Ah, Lynx. I trust you are suitably impressed with your surroundings. Ah,、uh, Sir Edmund, I had heard about your Hong Kong offices, but this is truly magnifique. It is like a palace. Thank you. Of course, we're currently redecorating, adding a thousand-year-old water clock. Spruce up the lobby, don't you think? From here, I run an empire. Shipping, banking, electronics—all a cover, of course. The real money comes from the heroin trade. Now, I believe you have something for me. Yes, Sir Edmund. Here is the case. Only one. The boy, the one I told you about. He and Rollins and the woman found us again. We were only able to get this one away. Well, this won't do at all. I'm afraid. The boy is associated with the American vigilante called the Batman. He is precisely the kind of interference I cannot afford right now. Fortunately for you, Links, this one case should be enough to carry out my plan. Otherwise, I might not be so lenient with you. Then, you forgive me? No, not at all, Babo. Yes, Sir Edmund. A punishment for Links, Babo. Well, I could drop her from the very top of the building, Sir Edmund. The fall from your penthouse would be quite spectacular. No, no, nothing too dire, but. Memorable. Yes, Sir Edmund. No, no. <laughs> little bird. Hmm. Awake, little bird.、Uh, what? Shiva. Where? We are at one of my safe houses. You are sleeping in one of my extra bedrooms. I brought you here last night. Yeah, I remember. I've been traveling so much; it's all starting to blur together. The time has come. For what? For you to enter a new world. I, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Oh, <laughs> there's enough time for that later, little bird. Now it is time for your lesson in martial skills. Um. Oh, I'll be dressed in a minute. Before we begin, you must choose a weapon. You must improve your reach. I've got a sling for children. 
Choose from my collection. Shuriken, nunchakas, katana. I'll take this. A simple staff. It's hardly a lethal weapon. I'm not looking for lethal. Besides, this staff is collapsible. It'll fit behind my cape. We will be facing the most dangerous criminals in Asia. Choose again. I won't fight murderers by becoming one. You have your mentor's nobility. We will change that. Let us begin. She moves like a cat. I can't keep up. Can't grapple either. It's like wrestling smoke. I've been taking nothing but abuse since I left Gotham. I've been kicked and punched and slapped and stomped. Some were bruisers, some were experts, some were mechanics. But I've never been in a fight with an artist. Until now, she's faster than anyone I've ever seen. Maybe faster than Batman. She's playing with me and I don't like it. Red anger boils up in me. She's going to know she was in a fight. Yeah, she'll know it when she washes my blood off her hands. You let your anger control you. Only a fool thinks anger will help him in a fight. Lesson one is over. It is sunset, isn't it, Mobo? Yes. I can feel the sun on my face. Unlike you, Bobo, I cannot see the city of Hong Kong stretching out below us, but I can feel it. All below me is history. My people turned this from a pathetic fishing village into one of the world's greatest centers of commerce in just a century and a half, and soon it will be given away. The dowry of an empire. The communist Chinese will take it all in just a few short years. <laughs> by giving a priceless jewel to an idiot. They won't know what to do with Hong Kong. They'll turn it into a Spartan wasteland like everything they touch. Tragic. But I will deny it to them. By the time they claim her, she'll be a rotting carcass from Lantau Island to the Tolo Channel. Thanks to a 50-year-old plague and a thousand-year-old timepiece, I will not leave her for others to ravage. Better to die at the hands of a lover than a stranger, hmm? That sadly, we shall be gone from here. So come, Bobo, let us see to the water clock. Still hurting, kid? I'm trying not to think about it. Carving your name in that stick? In a way. You're still ticked at me, aren't you? Because you went along with an obvious psychopath's decision to endanger millions of lives? You're just being sensitive, Clyde. Dorrance killed everything I ever loved. Excuse me if I can't work up a lot of compassion for a bunch of strangers. I know who you are. Boy wonder to that freak in Gotham. So don't judge me, Robin. You got this all backwards. Getting back that bioweapon was the most important thing. Dorrance was our second priority. We could have taken him later, but now you and Lady Schizo have put a rush on both. Plus now we have to go in and take him on his own turf. Now if you'll excuse me, I have a lesson to attend. You are nothing. You are less than nothing. You are a child. That is how your opponents must see you. They will underestimate your skills because of your age and size. That is your advantage. But you must never see yourself that way. Draw them to attack. Feign weakness, feign fear, and strike when they are close. Take up your staff, little Robin. Here's the deal. She'll let me make one move. I've got to make it a good one. I'll start with the staff. What is... Oh, thanks to my cutting job, the staff whistles in midair and distracts her. For just an instant, she steps into my arc. And two good moves become three. Oh, she underestimated me. 
So, the little bird has found his song. I see it in her eyes. Next time she'll have me for lunch. How does the work proceed, Bobo? Most excellently, Sir Edmund. The water clock has been installed in the lobby of the building. The trickle of water should be a welcome addition to the sound of the atrium, don't you think? Has the bioweapon been prepared? As you instructed, the plague agent has been encased in a block of salt and placed in one of the clock's hour receptacles. Excellent. The container should fill in 12 hours. The salt will take three more to melt. The salt solution should be the perfect breeding ground for those nasty microbes. The scourge will be airborne and dispersed through our ventilation system to fall on the city. And there, in the stinking alleys and the miserable hovels, it may breed. Sour grapes indeed for our mainland friends, but we shall be long gone by that time. Now come, Babo, there's just time enough for dinner before we take our leave of Hong Kong. All right, that concludes the synopsis for issue three and issue four of the five-part Robin miniseries. And it did give me just a little bit of uh, extra uh, time that I needed to be able to uh, get right to uh, this part of the uh, podcast. And then so I can uh, get one step ahead, getting closer to vacation. So thanks for indulging me on that. And hopefully you liked that. I do have uh, some other audio clips that you will hear off and on. Um, I do have uh, Nightfall once we get to the Nightfall story. And that's Probably one of the last uh, audio clip uh, segments that you'll hear. I'll kind of splice some stuff in and out to kind of lead in or lead out of the uh, synopsis and the podcast. But anyway, moving on here, uh, Brian J. Bolin did the cover. I didn't mention that in the um, uh, credit section for the uh, two issues. And gone are the pupils of uh, the Robin mask that uh, Terrence and I kind of found a, a little a little off. Uh, the first cover I didn't think was the, uh, it was a cool image, but it, it wasn't the best drawn, uh, from him. In uh, my opinion, uh, these two, uh, issues here, three and four do have a really good, uh, distinctive, uh, Robin look. And this is where I go. Yes. Uh, you have nailed the, uh, Robin look here. And I like on, uh, the front of the cover here and the little, uh, uh, blurb you get of a little uh, flag here of a DC flag. Uh, each one of these that has the issue one has uh, Batman and Robin. That's a, a Norm Brayfogle Batman and Robin. So I like that some of my favorite Robins uh, artists are all here in this book. Um, being a little tiny Norm Brayfogle and then Tom Lyle being the main interior artist of the book. But each of these little flags that has the Robin in it, uh, drawn by Bray Fogle, each one is a little different. The first one is Batman and Robin, and then the uh, four remaining are Robin uh, by himself. But each one is a little different pose. Or he, This one is uh, issue three. He's running, and issue four, he's kind of standing there uh, with his arms out. Uh, but in four, we see Robin and Clyde on a, a motorcycle with uh, Robin swinging his slingshot here and again. Uh, Brian J. Bullen did the covers for the five series. Uh, the f- 
inside a part of the book starts right where we left off from issue two with Lady Shiva on the rock wall, you know, kind of telling Tim, ooh, it looks like Tim needs a woman's touch. And Terrence and I had a little bit of fun at that at Tim's expense here. And I guess us kind of getting back to our 15-year-old, like, tee-hee-hee, she said woman's touch. So uh, uh, Tim does look a little youngish here. And uh, what I liked about this series a lot is, uh, first and foremost, it just being a Robin book. Uh, but Tom Lyle was starting to really craft what his Tim Drake was going to look like. And you would see a, a, a slow progression for each of the books that Tim's hair would get a little bit more spiky and he would uh, come to really establish the way Tim Drake would look. And um, I have quite a few uh, Robin artists that I like, but Norm Brayfogle and then especially Tom Lyle here would really kind of uh, cement what I kind of think my ideal Robin would be. And I think that's just because of the age that I was when I started reading this story that uh, every issue was just like, oh, this is so cool getting to see, you know, a new Robin. I felt like I was growing up with uh, the character. And uh, that's just something I kind of latched onto. And the the penciling styles of Lyle and Bray Fogo, I thought, were just uh, were really cool. Uh, the inside, we kind of have the uh, discussion of, uh, you know, King Snake and what Shiva is wanting to try and uh, use Tim and uh, Clyde for, but she's, you know, not really uh, putting all her cards out on the table. But uh, Tim is kind of smart enough to figure out that there's something about Lady Shiva that he isn't quite sure of, but he's kind of holding that close to his his uh, chest, as it were. Um, the color palette in here is kind of uh, set in the uh, sunset of the evening, so you have lots of uh, yellows and oranges and reds here, and I thought it's, it's done really well. Uh, Shiva, for whatever reason, is still very Asian-ish in this. Um, I don't know if she's supposed to have Asian heritage in here, uh, and I don't necessarily recall her. Uh, having that, and maybe she might, but it's it's really pronounced here. And I thought Shiva was supposed to be more of you know, a little bit of a sexy character, not so much like Catwoman would be, but she's ugly in this book. As much as I like uh, Tom Lyle, um, his uh, first run at uh, Lady Shiva just really... I don't know what it is uh, about it, but it, it's a little off-putting, and uh, she comes off a little bit more creepy uh, than I would like, but she's, and Terrence has said this too in the last episode, that uh, her and uh, Clyde are really kind of written one-dimensional, really kind of flat. Uh, they are here to you know, move the story along, and uh, Shiva's part will get a little bit more in depth as we go uh, than what Clyde's will. But uh, they're both still kind of cookie cutter at this point. Um, and Tim is still in that phase of you know I, I've got my mask off, but you know I, I'm still not going to tell you who you are, even though that Shiva makes a uh, a reference to you know she knows who Batman is has kind of gone up against him. So um, she's obviously quick to be able to point out that, you know, I know that you're the, the new Robin. So uh, she's kind of establishing that for Tim as, um, you know, I, 
I I know what's what here. I may not know Bruce Wayne's, uh, you know, Batman's identity being Bruce Wayne, as it were, but um, I I I still I still know what's going on. So I, I kind of like that that they uh, put that in here as well. And uh, Chuck Dixon is uh, is doing a really good job of really flushing out the uh, the Tim Drake character for for the new readers. And this issue really sets up uh, for Tim here, uh, showing his uh, computer skills and really kind of puts. Uh, Shiva kind of right in the middle of this kind of three amigos set that uh, Shiva's really going to use Clyde and Robin to her advantage to get to King Snake. Uh, she's kind of using the talents of the two uh, uh, two guys here to really get what she wants. She can use uh, Tim's uh, computer skills to track down the information a little bit easier since it's going to be easier for Tim to do that. And Clyde's uh, bullheadedness uh, with the King Snake, that's going to be kind of her uh, driving force to kind of keep uh, Tim on uh, task here, and uh, you know Tim just wanting to uh, help out. But we uh, get the uh, story here from uh, Lady Shiva about uh, basically the bio weapons that uh, King Snake is uh, using. If they're going to get uh, to King Snake, they need to uh, understand uh, their uh, opponent that much better. That would be something that uh, Bruce would instill into Tim as well. But it's good to know what you're going up against rather than just uh, fighting blind, which is kind of what uh, Clyde has been doing, which is kind of getting him caught and eventually will end up leading to his demise because the uh, the pain that he has for his uh, family is uh, slowly starting to uh, impair his judgment. He's not thinking ahead, and it's it's really kind of cool to see uh, Robin and uh, Clyde be at the opposite ends of the spectrum here, and it's uh, kind of more uh, a point to us as the readers to show that you know what Tim is doing is is taking the right approach, but he's still kind of wanting to be there uh, for Clyde as well. Uh, but we get the uh, Krieger War Labs, uh, which kind of goes into the whole history of you know Nazi Germany and all this stuff. So these old uh, bioweapons that Sir Edmund is uh, trying to uh, take and uh, use obviously for something bad, but uh, Tim and Clyde and Shiva really don't know that at this point. But um, Tim has got a, a quick fix on it, so he and Clyde are off and running uh, to go out in uh, into the evening and uh, see what they can uh, kind of come up with uh, with the leads that Tim has been able to track down. I like the color palette in uh, these uh, first few pages here, where it's kind of set at uh, night and it's uh, by the almost by the light of the fire, or more importantly, the computer screen here, which is giving off a yellow glow, maybe as a opposed uh, to our blue lights that we have right now coming from coming from the computer screen but I thought it was a a really kind of cool uh coloristic choice that they use to kind of denote that you know the lights and the darks in the room um Tim has a little bit of a, a discussion here on the uh, bottom of page four about uh, Shiva looking a uh, you know a little bit beautiful but kind of scary but uh, I I still am really not feeling the uh, the Lady Shiva look here at least in the uh, dimly lit uh, drawing here she's drawn a little bit better in uh, these uh, latter couple books than uh, what she was in issue one and issue two but uh, I don't I don't know what it was for uh, Tom Lau trying to come up with uh, uh, Shiva's look here in this. Uh, 
uh, issue. I think she's been drawn a little bit better. Uh, that's the only knock I have uh, to Tom Lyle's art here. I just don't. I don't think he really had the uh, woman form down uh, for Shiva in this uh, in this issue, as it were. Something that I always really liked in comics is getting a little bit of a history lesson and going, oh, did they just make something up for uh, the comic books? But the uh, conversation of Robin and Clyde in the car about uh, the uh, French uh, using uh, these uh, tunnels here, uh, the I'm not even going to try to pronounce this name. The uh, I guess I'm going to try it. The uh, Magenot, uh, that's probably horrible, uh, was a, a line chain uh, built uh, just west of the uh, Rhine uh, by the French to keep the Germans from ever invading them again. So I thought that was a really kind of cool that uh, they put things like that and they're using uh dixon is using st- real life structures to kind of tell his uh story so it, it gives a little bit more uh you know realism to kind of uh, what's going on and uh the uh the water line that uh the ghost dragons are going to be in that are going to uh move the uh bioweapons from and uh they're trying to figure out the, the three of them what uh, sir edmonton is going to use with the you know a 50 year old uh, bioweapon but obviously it's not going to be very good when any you know criminal gets a hold of a bioweapon <laughs> no oh, okay sorry about that <laughs> um it down here in the uh, I keep wanting to call it a basement, but basically the uh, the sub level of the uh, water line uh, that's in France here. Uh, we have the ghost dragons and our first real big uh, action beat that it's taken uh, nine pages uh, so far with a lot of exposition. But we have the uh, gunfight down here and Clyde and Robin uh, get separated and uh, Tim ends up getting captured by the ghost dragons and. Uh, uh, Lynx ends up giving uh, Tim a slap in the face for a what for. And uh, I liked the, uh, after she slaps him in the middle of uh, page uh, nine here, kind of see the ghost dragons uh, and Robin and Lynx uh, kind of in silhouette. And you kind of see uh, the blood or whatever dripping from uh, Tim's face. And uh, <laughs> Tim is just taking more and more abuse in these issues. But uh, as Terrence and I said on the last episode, I, I kind of like that a little bit that we just didn't come into a Robin that's uh, fully ready to be a Robin. He has all the complete training that he wants. It's a Robin that is still trying to get his uh, footing and uh, ends up taking a, a few licks along the way. And uh, it's it's a slow, nice build uh, to uh, the Robin that uh, becomes very confident uh, by the uh, end of the story and kind of uh, has learned a lot. But but uh, uh, one thing that was missing from the audio drama that I really liked in the comic was that kind of uh, right as Lynx is getting ready to put an end to uh, Robin here or uh, to quit being the thorn in uh, uh, King Snake's uh, side here is the swarm of bats that are awoken from the uh, gunfire. I thought that was a really cool touch that it added a little bit of that uh, Batman flair here. So as everybody else is kind of running and swarming, who is the one person that is very at home with all these bats? Of course, it's going to be Tim. So I like that there's constantly a lot of bats uh, 
uh, circling around Robin as more of a protective type of thing uh, that the the art's trying to uh, show that. But I thought it's uh, it was done really well. So anytime you know you come into a contact with a bat, hey, as much as I like a uh, Batman and Robin, if I see a bat flying around outside, you better believe I'm going the other direction. So I I can't imagine uh, being in a uh, closed confined space that all these hundreds of bats are just kind of woken and uh, soaring above your head. So um, uh, the shot here on the bottom of page uh, 10 is really cool with uh, Tim running basically towards the camera with all the bats, I think is uh, really kind of cool. Gives that little bit of a, a Batman touch here. Uh, we see the shot of the uh, bioweapons and uh, Silly Clyde has managed to get a hold of a gun and starts uh, taking uh, uh, shots at the uh, some of the Ghost Dragon members. And I don't care who you are, but if you're trying to get uh, these uh, bioweapons. I don't think you'd want to be shooting at them. So uh, Tim is really quick to uh, dispatch a, a batarang at Clyde. Uh, more importantly, you know, like one would be, hey, don't shoot it towards the bioweapons. And more importantly, uh, you know, we don't kill. So uh, Tim has already has obviously that from Bruce that, you know, uh, killing is not an option. There are other ways, you know, around the uh, scenario. Um, we do have our uh, first look at Tim in a motorcycle, and uh, <laughs> I guess going for the uh, traditional, maybe the uh, 66 uh, Batman TV series, uh, we've got to throw Robin in the sidecar, so I thought that was uh, you know, a nice little nod to putting Robin in the uh, sidecar. But on the bottom of page 12, it looks, I don't know how Tim could set in this car. I think he would almost be having to be sitting on his knees as opposed to maybe sitting on his rear. It looks like his knees would be up in his chest. Um, we have the uh, first use of Tim and his slingshot here. Um, I thought this would, would have been a kind of a cool, um, uh, gadget for Tim to use, uh, but uh, the staff, which will come and just uh, uh, the next issue, I think is a much better uh, weapon for Tim. Uh, the uh, slingshot was kind of cool here, and Tim is able to kind of uh, knock some of the uh, ghost uh, dragons out. Um, it would have been kind of cool to see uh, Tim revisit the slingshot again, but it's uh, uh, quickly forgotten uh, pretty much after this series. Um, we have the uh, crashing of the bike. And Tim running off on a dead sprint following the tracks of the van that they were following uh, to an airport. It says that he ran about a mile here. So I thought that was uh, interesting that they decided to put that there. And as Tim's, you know, on his uh, jog or his run, he's starting to think that maybe what Clyde is uh, saying about Lady Shiva is, you know, maybe kind of right that she uh, could be in on it. Uh, he's, he still really hasn't figured her out yet, uh, but he makes it to the airport and ends up uh, seeing the uh, plane uh, fly. Away. He was just a little too late, uh, but is able to see you know what's kind of left of the truck, and they didn't quite get everything at this point. And uh, mysteriously, Lady Shiva is uh, suddenly there again, and I didn't point it out, but as the uh, three of them are looking uh, down towards uh, where the ghost dragons are entering, uh, Tim uh, makes a, a note that there's only one other person that can disappear like that, obviously referring 
to uh, Batman. Uh, much like uh, Batman, Shiva is uh, there after all the fighting and everything is done. After the motorcycle wrecking, the three of them uh, are able to get catch up to the uh, truck that has been abandoned, and uh, they find out that the Ghost Dragons were not able to take all of the uh, biotoxin, and I like that uh, Tim is the one that knows that this particular toxin is going to be able to be destroyed uh, by fire, so they're able to set the truck uh, ablaze so uh, the biotoxin won't be um, able to harm anybody, and they'll be able to go back to the truck. Um, this is something that Terrence had pointed out in the last uh podcast that uh, Shiva makes a reference to the Porsche that uh, uh, Sir Edmund and the uh, Ghost Dragons owe her a Porsche so that's how uh, we were able to find out oh that ugly car <laughs> that was in uh, issue 2 was in fact a Porsche uh, this was uh, a part of the story uh, initially before we get into uh, issue 5 with the uh, water clock tower that's really old and uh, we kind of get a little bit of a history of the uh, water clock tower, and there are some of those uh, in France. And uh, at first I was like, I really didn't get what Sir Edmund was going to do with this clock. It's almost written as if this is a wristwatch that he's talking about. Like, oh, hey, this is some clock that's, you know, centuries old, and, you know, it's it's always uh, told the correct time. And he is uh, basically telling uh, the guy that owns the uh, clock that, you know, I'm going to take this. Uh, you can either give it to me, or I can just kill your whole family, and there won't be another generation to uh, take care of this clock because I'm going to take it no matter what. Uh, how are you going to take this whole entire building and all of the pipes and the duct work and everything that has made this clock work for generations? Are you just going to pack it in your car? Are you? <laughs> what are you exactly going to do with this? So uh, this was a, a l something that I read the first time and was kind of like, okay, this really doesn't make sense, but you know, we'll, we'll see how this uh, plays out. But apparently, a King Snake came prepared with a contractor and is uh, threatening the contractor's life. Well, let's get this thing uh, set up and working. And if you don't, I'll kill your wife. So, uh, King Snake always has an ace in his uh, sleeve. Uh, he may not be able to see, but he can sure as heck get things done. Uh, we get the phone call from Lynx that basically says, uh, Hey, you know what? Uh, kind of screwed up. I didn't get uh, both cases. And, uh, you know... Uh, that Rollins guy and uh, his protege, yeah, they uh, they kind of uh, foiled the plan. So uh, uh, Lynx is going to have a, a lot to uh, explain uh, once they get face-to-face uh, -face with each other. You know, so we catch back up with the three amigos, and Tim is sitting on the hood of a car, and his uh, laptop is plugged into a payphone, which I really thought that was kind of funny. Um, I don't know if you can actually do that, but of course, uh, uh, Tim would be able to learn that trick from Batman. So, you know, we'll we'll just go along with it. But I like that they've got to have uh, Tim sitting here, uh, Indian style, on the hood of the car, which uh, I think just adds a little bit of uh, a spunk to his character. And still gives that uh, youthful look here, but there, uh, Tim is able to uh, uh, figure out from the uh, plane where it's going, and uh, it's headed to Hong Kong. So uh, Shiva is quick to book a plane for the three of them to go, and of course she is going to sit in first class, leaving uh, Clive, uh, Clyde, and Tim uh, to ride in coach. Of of course. 
I like how on the uh, long flight, Tim isn't uh, one for uh, sleeping, so he's able to kind of just dig up a little bit more about uh, the biotoxin and what uh, it's capable of producing and what it it can become. And uh, Clyde is uh, quick to kind of point out to Tim that, uh, you know, he obviously still doesn't trust Shiva and who's to say that after um, they get to where they're going or Shiva gets what she wants from uh, King Snake that uh, Robin and uh, Clyde are going to outlive their usefulness. So that's something in the back of uh, Clyde's mind that, you know, as long as they're on this journey together, it's uh, it's going to be okay. But as soon as they don't live uh, up to uh, their usefulness anymore that uh, Shiva has no problem of uh, killing those that uh, she doesn't need anymore. Uh, we pick right into uh, issue four here and uh, uh, another cool uh, cover by uh, Brian J. Bull. And I should say another cool cover. Um, the, the covers are getting uh, progressively better and better. Um, Tim looks uh, very much like Robin here. There's the the pupils are gone out of the mask, and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, we have the first appearance of the uh, staff that Robin uh, uses in the comics. Um, it's uh, kind of a written here or drawn as like it's a bamboo type of a pole, and I think that's initially how it was. Uh, he makes mention here later on that it's collapsible. He can put it underneath his cape, which uh, I don't think bamboo really kind of folds like that, but that's kind of how it's drawn here. So I think we're uh, meant to assume it's a metal type of a, a pole, or maybe it's uh, almost more like a a blind man's walking cane that would kind of collapse on itself, which is kind of fitting since King Snake is blind. But uh, it's drawn here as bamboo, and I'm getting uh, more kind of uh, caught up in the uh, staff. But it's such a cool uh, gadget that Robin has. And it's something different than uh, the uh, batarangs and such. But I'm I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself of the uh, uh, staff here. Uh, but we have a nice dance move kick here from Lady Shiva delivering a kick to a Robin's face, but uh, a, a decent cover. Um, I'm not really fond of the white outline around Shiva, the staff, and uh, Robin. It's, uh, I, I don't know, it's, it takes me out of it a little bit. Um, it's, it, it's a cool enough cover, but uh, it's, it's kind of odd here. And like Terrence had mentioned in the previous episode that Dixon likes to start his issues off with action, uh, it's nice to see the action starting here very, very quickly in this uh, issue, in issue four here, of them uh, making it to Hong Kong before the plane uh, ends up getting there and they're able to track down some of the other Ghost Dragon members and uh, kind of uh, getting the information of, we know a plane is coming in, uh, it's not going to land at the normal airport, it's going to go somewhere else and they're able to... uh, beat it out of some of the Ghost Dragon members that are in Hong Kong. But uh, a panel that uh, I've looked at over and over again, and one that uh, I remember very vividly, and then kind of looking at uh, the bottom of page three here, is Lady Shiva uh, cleaning the earwax out of one of the Ghost Dragon members. Like, if you're lying to me, I'll find you, and you really need to clean your ears a little bit better. (laughs) Um I was thinking, is she putting in a tracking device in here? Is she shoving some bamboo in the guy's ear? Uh, I have reread this uh, page over and over again, trying to figure out if she's pulling something out. It doesn't say what she's doing, but that regardless of whatever she's doing, sticking anything in anybody's ear, that's that's going to get your attention right away. Um, they're get, they get the information. They're able to go to a private landing strip, so they're going to track down uh, where the uh, drop-off point's going to be 
and uh, follow the truck into uh, into Tokyo, into King Snake's headquarters. And what's uh, odd here, the vehicle that they're in, they say it's a Jeep, uh, and by they, I mean Robin, uh, Clyde, and Shiva. It looks like a car, but kind of a Jeep. It's uh, really munchkinized a little bit. I've noticed that through this particular a series that all of the vehicles look a little bit small. So I don't know if uh, Tom Weil was uh, having trouble with some of the perspectives, but uh, even as small as this uh, Jeep is, it's really kind of funny here on the bottom of page six that uh, Robin is uh, sitting with his knees up in the seat between uh, the two of them. We have a, you know, a psychopathic, uh, you know, killer, Maniac and Lady Shiva and Clyde is just still hell bent on uh, getting King Snake uh, without uh, really thinking of any of the consequences. Tim's in you know between a rock and a hard place, and he even makes uh, mention of that. Is you know does Batman ever feel this alone? That even when he's working with other people, uh, the ideologies aren't exactly always the same. And of of course, Batman has always kind of been the loner. Even in the Justice League, uh, Batman still operates uh, under his own you know, guide, uh, even, uh, if the justice league as a whole says they're going to do something. And Tim's kind of figuring that out a little bit. Uh, you still have a job to do and you need to do it the best way you know how, and you may have to kind of use the people around you, but Tim's finding out that this, this job can be, uh, kind of lonely. They, uh, end up making it into Hong Kong and we find the shipments getting dropped off. We see that uh, Lynx and King Snake here are uh, finally getting a little bit of a face-to-face and uh, it's really not shown uh, what happens to Lynx here, but uh, we know that King Snake is very disappointed in uh, her performance and is going to be uh, taught a lesson by Babu, as we heard in the uh, audio drama, the way uh, King Snake, uh, at least the actor that portrayed King Snake, I liked that he kind of talked like this and everything was very formal and very sophisticated, Babu. Um, in the audio drama, you kind of hear her kind of getting choked. Uh, King Snake ends up saying that, you know, uh, you don't want any harm, real harm uh, becoming uh, towards Lynx, even though she's kind of failed once for uh, King Snake here, but she wants it to be something memorable. So it, we kind of see her in a chokehold here, and on the bottom of page nine, her legs are kind of crossed. So um, I, I'm assuming that she's uh, was getting kind of choked out. That you know, uh, Babu could have killed you. I could have let him kill you, but uh, we decided not to. It's kind of mentioned in the audio drama and kind of sh- uh, shown here that uh, some time has passed uh, once they find King Snake's uh, hideout. Uh, their uh, hideout is really a, a high-rise building here. Uh, in Hong Kong, but they go to some type of Wayne Manor-ish type mansion that uh, Lady Shiva has uh, for herself in Hong Kong. So uh, it, apparently she is uh, Asian enough. I, I didn't really realize that uh, she was until we had gotten to uh, this uh, a section of the book, but apparently that is her uh, heritage here. Um, and Tim kind of wakes up in one of the guest rooms of uh, Lady Shiva. And Tim has at least been through part of the story. Tim has constantly been uh, up and been awake, uh, even 
his early, uh, if you look at it from uh, Tim being an issue one, uh, starting with a Dalai Lama, everything's been happening, happening pretty quickly here, uh, for Tim. So he hasn't had much rest. So I'm, we're almost uh, led to believe that Tim had really just kind of passed out after, uh, they had fought and got the information out of the ghost dragons that they probably drove, uh, the Jeep to Lady Shiva's house. And, uh, Tim, uh, was placed in this bed. So, uh, again, a little kind of, uh, Creepy-ish a little bit, and uh, Tim kind of thinks that this is what Lady Shiva is talking about when he kind of wakes up and says, you know, they uh, she wakes Tim up kind of in the early uh, part of the morning or maybe uh, late in the evening, and uh, it's almost like Tim thinks he's getting a booty call or something maybe, but it turns out that it's uh, more training. So uh, Tim uh, starts his journey that he's just going to get training from this uh, Dalai Lama. And it turns into getting some training from Clyde and getting some now training from Lady Shiva. And this is the, uh, I would say, the birth of the staff. But this is where the Tim Drake Robin character gets his staff. And uh, Shiva's wanting him to pick out uh, some lethal uh, type weapon here. And uh, she makes mention that Tim needs to improve his reach. And, uh, of course, what's the thing that he goes for is for the staff. So, I again, I think this is probably one of the, of all the Batman gadgets that are out there, yes, there's the Batarangs and all these things, but as far as uh, the Robins go, um, I like that Tim had his his own gadget. Other than Damien, uh, all the other Robins have just used Batarangs or whatever Batman has had. Jason never really had uh, a Robin gadget of his own, and Dick never did, but I like with Tim that they uh, wanted to set him apart and gave him the staff. And this was something that Norm Brayfogle had designed for Tim in some of the early uh, Robin concepts of just uh, coming up with different costumes. He and uh, Neil Adams would do. Uh, this was one that uh, if you look up some of Norm Brayfogle's uh, Robin designs for Tim Drake, uh, the staff is uh, always present in all of, um, almost all of his drawings. And he comes up with the idea of the staff being uh, collapsible. So it's uh, you're not like a sword that he's going to have to wear or has uh, some type of, uh, uh, you know, pouch or satchel or something that he has to carry. It just, it's almost uh, the way they draw it in the comics. It's magnetic that it's, uh, it kind of attaches to his back as it were. Um, now it, I mentioned it, uh, in talking about the cover for this, it's drawn almost as if it's bamboo, which uh, later on it would definitely become a metal staff, but, uh, at least in uh, this series, it's drawn as very wooden, but he talks about it being uh, collapsible. So we'll, we'll kind of let that go and, uh, forget that it's, kind of drawn bamboo-ish and uh, again you will will kind of see that uh, uh, play out here but uh, just like Tim has done uh, every part of his training gets another beat down by somebody but is constantly learning at the the whole time and uh, even having his uh, staff he's not able to get to the uh, upper hand that he needs and uh, Clyde is uh, you know real easy to uh, say wow that was a world class whooping so uh, Tim has done a lot of bleeding uh, throughout this series now we get a little interlude with uh, King Snake and uh, Babu and then we're right back to uh, some more training with uh, Tim uh, Tim and Clyde are having, you know, another conversation and Tim is whittling into the staff. So uh, it really can't be a metal pole. I mean, I guess it 
could, but it's done more as a, a bamboo type pole. So I'm really kind of fixated on Tim trying to fold this bamboo pole up and he's carving a notch into the pole. And uh, I remember reading this for the first time and even just uh, reading it again for the podcast, uh, thinking, you know, what is uh, Tim, I think he's going to try and do uh, by cutting a notch into the pole. And, you know, we'll, we'll find out uh, again in a little bit. Um, Tim's spiky hair is getting more and more uh, throughout as the uh, series uh, goes on. So I thought that was uh, uh, a nice way of kind of distinguishing uh, Tim a little bit more. Uh, granted, as the story, uh, the Robin series would go, Tim's hair would get even more spiky as it goes. But uh, it's uh, it was a nice, subtle change. You can go back to issue one, and uh, Tim's hair looks, you know, fairly uh, normal. This is just something I always associate with the uh, Robin character. And even in uh, action figure form, when they uh, make a Tim Drake character, they always give him the uh, uh, the spiky hair. So uh, again, I, 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 I like that. It's just not the, you know, the comb over here that uh, Dick Grayson would have or the, you know, the cowlick that Tim had his own design that separated him uh, from the other Robins. Uh, a nice a little gag here that I didn't uh, get uh, at the very first time I read it, uh, clear back in uh, 1991, uh, but I picked up on uh, this read for the podcast where Tim is getting uh, the schematics and uh, the designs for uh, King Snake's uh, penthouse. He's plugging his nose, so he kind of talks like this to to the person that designed uh, King Snake's uh, building, so he can kind of get uh, the security camera layouts and all that type of stuff, which uh, seems really odd that uh, somebody would divulge uh, that information over the phone. But hey, uh, it's just another little uh, notch into Tim's. Uh, uh, detective skills and uh, being able to get the information uh, that he uh, wants out of them. On page 17, this was a part that uh, I had to go back to uh, issue two and uh, completely forgot about Ducard being in the story. Uh, now that we're you know two issues uh, past that and we're kind of uh, getting close to the climax of the story here. Um, Again, I completely forgot that he was here, but we have Descartes uh, looking at King Snake's headquarters and the shipyard and things that are getting uh, loaded onto the ship that's going to be uh, heading out of Hong Kong and him kind of getting arrested here and King Snake giving the uh, kill order to uh, kill Ducard and uh, not really sure who this guy is, but let's just get him out of here. And uh, a gunfight ends up going on inside the car that's uh, pretty intense here. Uh, no uh, word balloons or anything like that on the page at all. It's done in... Uh, yellows, oranges, blues, and reds, and it's it's done very effective here. And the shot that I like in 19 is the car just getting uh, completely shot up from the inside, and you can see uh, the lights exploding uh, on the inside of the car and then going off into the uh, harbor. So I uh, kind of led to believe that, well, like it looks like uh, Ducard's dead. This is uh, a guy that I'm like, I don't really understand what he's doing. He's uh, also trying to track down King Snake, but uh, we will find out in uh, the next issue. Uh, but first we have uh, the last little uh, training sequence here uh, from Tim uh, with his staff. And uh, uh, Tim is getting a little bit better at it and using his staff to... Uh, his strengths and what he has done is carved a notch that ends up creating a sound uh, that kind of uh, displaces uh, where he's at. So you're kind of paying attention more to the sound of like, what is that? And then you get the staff right upside the head or inside the gut. And that's exactly what uh, Tim is able to do to Shiva. And finally, 
Tim is able to uh, take down somebody and is not getting a beat down anymore. And uh, Lady Shiva has said that the uh, little bird has found his song and it's kind of uh, signaling that Tim is uh, ready. Uh, His uh, training is uh, basically uh, complete here. The last shot here in the book is uh, Kingsnake seeing the construction of his little water tower uh, clock. He is ready for what is about to happen. He's going to be getting his toxin and his uh, final plan is going to be uh, set in motion. It's been uh, cool uh, going through uh, these uh, issues here that Tim has uh, gotten three forms of uh, education, as it were, uh, in his training uh, when he first started out in uh, Paris on his journey that he thought he was just going to get some typical training that Batman would have gotten, but he got his uh, healing arts technique and uh, figured out about the pressure points and uh, those type of things from the Dalai Lama and his uh, grandson. And then we move into Clyde uh, that uh, Tim can kind of get the brawling type of skills from a a DEA agent and then getting into Shiva, which gets into more of the martial arts and develops his uh, weapons training, which I think really uh, rounds out Tim very well and of course there'll be you know more types of training from uh, Batman that he would pick up the longer he is with Bruce but I thought this series did a really good job uh, so far of bringing out different characteristics of Tim as the uh, story progresses um, I it felt a little off that we had this uh, rush from issue 3 of we've got to track down this uh, biochemical weapon that's going on and then we kind of hit 4 and once we get to Hong Kong and we raced and we beat King Snake here and we're going to find out where he's going to land the plane and uh, kind of beat the information out of it and then follow uh, the truck that's delivering it to the hideout and then it's the okay now we got to take a break and let's hope he doesn't do whatever he's going to do in the next few hours because Tim has some more training so uh, that part kind of felt just a little off to me uh, but uh, this is also Dixon's first crack at writing uh, the Tim Drake Robin character and I think he's off to a, a really good start um, and uh, issue 5 is my favorite of the series it uh, puts a nice button on the uh, the Tim Drake uh, first solo story and I can't wait to get to that uh, Terrence will be back for the uh, next uh, podcast we will cover issue 5 and then we're also going to cover the debut of Robin in Gotham City alongside of Batman in uh, Batman number 465 in the story debut so I thought this uh, uh, kind of uh, wrapped the uh, series up in a little bit um, so it'll be really kind of cool to uh, get uh, Terrence's take on uh, Tim's very first time uh, solving a case or a crime in Gotham City. Uh, hopefully you guys have uh, liked this episode. Um, again, uh, doing uh, the little um, audio drama as part of the synopsis uh, kind of helped me out a little bit. And I thought it was a, a nice way to uh, do something special for uh, Tim Drake's uh, 25th anniversary. Uh, the uh, next time the podcast rolls around, we will actually be in the week of uh, Tim's 25th anniversary. So again, uh, we'll have Terrence on the uh, podcast and we'll kind of uh, wrap up the Robin mini series number one and then do uh the storyline debut, which was a single uh, one-off issue of Batman and Robin uh, working together and uh, letting uh, Robin uh, kind of uh, do uh, 
a case by himself with kind of Batman peripherally, you know, kind of there. And then we'll move on to uh, Robin number two, the Joker's wild storyline. So that's going to be a real fun one to do. Uh, thanks for tuning into the podcast and uh, hopefully everybody's summer has been pretty good and we will see you guys in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, and I am making no money from it. Much to the displeasure of my wife. Sorry, babe. So no infringement is intended by this show. This also applies to all music and sound clips, as they have their own copyright holders as well. You can now find this podcast on iTunes and Windows Media as well. There you can rate and leave a comment to the show and subscribe. I hope that you do. You can also find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. You can send a message there as well. If you'd like to email, you can do so by sending me one at r10myers at yahoo.com. That's R as in Robin, one zero M-Y-E-R-S at yahoo.com. And I'll read your emails on the air. Make sure that you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thank you for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.